0: hey there welcome to twins talk clear-cut communication yes we are twins and yes we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle
1: the topic of communication in a podcast but we're going to do it anyway and hopefully
0: you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable Hey, we're coming to you today from Booger Hole, West Virginia. And Ray, this is a real town. (laughs) Yeah, you've come up with some pretty remarkable real towns. For a while, we were making them up, and then we realized reality is even funnier than fantasy. And yes, Booger Hole, West Virginia, this should have been uh, the town we came from when we had Scott on because of his song, uh, Don't Be Picking Your Nose When the Next Car Comes. It would have been ideal. That's right. But given that we're coming from uh, Booger Hole, and those of you out there, I don't know who you would be or why you would stay there. (laughs) Nonetheless, I did want to give a shout out to my oldest grandson, who's a freshman in high school. Benjamin. Benjamin, yes, Ben. And he is all about being a freshman. He's starting driving. We did some uh, driver's training, which was an exercise in danger, but it was a good one. He's a terrific driver, but he made comment that he was uh, listening to the podcast and really enjoying them, and that he had some particular preferences, but I'll let him speak to those if he ever gets back to me, and maybe we'll have one of his questions on. But right now, I just want to give a shout out because it increases our demographic. We're always looking for new population, right? That's We're stretching. That's right. We're stretching, and high school underclassmen, that is a stretch. That is. I'm not sure we're even talking their language, but who knows, right? Okay, we're making a shift. It's we're fully into the new year. We've been having fun uh, doing the podcast and getting uh, nice feedback uh, from people. I assume that like us, we haven't heard from anybody that doesn't like us. Because why would they hang in there? But anyway, we're in for the new year and wanted to make a shift to a series of episodes around the concept of dialogue. And dialogue has been a very, very important form of communication for me over the years. And it's one that I've realized that I've begun to focus on. And years back, almost maybe a decade, three books came out in succession within months of each other, and they all hit the New York Times bestseller list. One was titled Powerful Conversations. The second was titled Fierce Conversations. And the third was titled Crucial Conversations. And after reading all three, I concluded they are talking about the same conversation. Now, the authors took different slants on this conversation, but they were essentially talking about dialogue as a significant, important form of communication. Now, that's my background. Where are you on this concept of dialogue, Barry? Well, you know,
1: Bob, when we hit on the idea of a theme uh, discussing dialogue, I really am such a fan of coming to some clear understanding of this concept. Because for me, when you think of interpersonal or group communication that's productive Dialogue is the only form of communication I know that really ends up being productive. It really ends up creating things. It really ends up creating outcomes that you can't otherwise get. So to me, it's at the core of productive communication, whether it's interpersonal, one-on-one, or group. And I think most people have not really experienced it at the level that you and I are going to talk
0: about it and don't appreciate the importance of it. I was going to say, it strikes me outside of those of us who study communication and those of us that work with communication in the consulting arena, people really don't distinguish different forms of communication. And so when we raise the issue of dialogue as being distinctly different from other forms of communication, both interpersonal, small group, organizational communication, for most people, there's not a connection there. They haven't really thought through with any intent the difference between different forms of communication and i would certainly agree with you that i think dialogue has the greatest potential for creating productive conversation beneficial conversation but also authentic conversation i think i think frequently people struggle with the idea of how do i get to something that's more real how do i find or get engaged in a conversation that actually speaks to real issues and not just surface issues because so much of our conversation spins around just having these casual surface kinds of conversations. Clearly you want in. Ray, you're well, on the I, of speech. Well,
1: again, I have so much positive anticipation and regard for this topic. I think there are people who have experienced dialogue but didn't recognize it,
0: mm-hmm. Don't
1: have, didn't have a label for it. Often they come out of a communication with someone and, and say, boy, that was meaningful. Well, if that's true, it was probably dialogue that took place. The problem to me is... Most people can't intentionally create that. Mm-hmm. And they're even to some degree, not aware of it to the point that they could appreciate the dynamics that took place, that mm-hmm. caused it. Mm-hmm. So I think this theme, and you and I being able to talk about it at length, really has value for people who really want to get better at meaningful communication. And in your word authentic is ideal. It's, it, it is what it produces.
0: Valid produces authentic, meaningful Communication. And some of the stuff we're going to share comes from real hard research, real strong research in the social science field. And we won't share it today, but it really supports this notion that there is a real value in distinguishing dialogue as a form of communication from other forms. So back to this notion of intentionality, a lot of have experienced communication, have experienced interaction where you say, boy, that was good. That really not only felt good, but it seemed to make a difference. It really had an impact. And yet we have no idea of why it did or how it did or how we even contributed to it. So I think one of the things we want to get into is what are some of the behaviors? What are some of the things that we can do that can promote this type of conversation over any other. Now, maybe before we get there, talking a little bit about what this conversation looks like to our listeners, they might be thinking, what are these guys doing? They just seem to be talking around things. They're not helping us get to it. As I'm listening to the two of us talk about this, we're saying, we want to give you a reason to really invest in this form of communication. You need to realize that this is going to take some work on your part, You're not conscious of it. It's back to that original model we provided where you're unconsciously incompetent regarding dialogue as the form of communication that you can use and even exploit in terms of really doing good things with how you communicate. So what we want to do is give you some reasons. We want to really give you some ideas of what does dialogue look like? as compared to other forms of interaction. And you want to jump in on that one and maybe make an observation or two first? I'll add to that list. Well, for me, d- dialogue is very
1: intentional. You don't get into it randomly. Now, you might, you might participate in it and not have intended to, but anyone who wants to be in dialogue with someone else, that's an intentional effort. Mm-hmm. That's not casual. Again, it's not generally spontaneous. It follows certain rules. Some of the the adjectives you put on it that I I couldn't agree more with is that it's intense, it's robust, strong, powerful, influential, all of those things. If you're in a conversation where those adjectives would apply, then you are most likely in dialogue.
0: Yes. And particularly if it's positive. Now we can have heated conversations. We can have confrontations. We can have real argument. We're not going to call those dialogue. We're going to actually put that at another end of the continuum of interaction. But when you have a robust conversation, when it's intense, it's passionate, people feel strongly, and yet there are a healthy regard for others in the conversation and a healthy regard for what you're saying, we would argue that whether you know it or not, you're probably in dialogue. Another way... I want to say, Bob,
1: in light of your comments about debate, which could create a lot of energy, adversarial energy, in fact, but dialogue is not about energy, although there can be energy there. Dialogue could also be about reflection. Mm -hmm. could be about seriously considering something, of suspending judgment, those kind of things. So there's not a energy level that I would attach to it, except that I agree with you, it's positive. The outcome is positive. If you're in an
0: adversarial contact, that's not dialogue. You know, even as you say that, and now I'm translating some of the things we're talking about at the moment to organizational settings, dialogue is at the opposite end of the continuum from debate. Now, we will get into that specifically, even creating a continuum, but just so that people understand as we begin to use these terms, we are treating dialogue as a distinct form of interaction, and we want to suggest that it is the opposite of debate because so often what I will hear from an executive is I'm tired of these polite conversations I'm tired of people just talking nice to one another I want to have a real conversation and say so let's debate and what they're arguing for actually is dialogue but they don't have an understanding of that concept because when they throw it into debate they're throwing it into the opposite end of the swimming pool it's just simply not going to produce the kinds of things that they had hoped for but they don't understand that or know that so at exactly. least one, at least one thing we can say today is that as you think about this concept as a listener out there, we really do want you to have firmly in your mind that whatever I thought about the concept of debate and its relationship to dialogue, we want you to know those are opposite. In fact, I did a couple of workshops for a legal department in major corporations. My opening salvo to the lawyer would be what I'm going to share with you is 180 degrees from what you believe is good communication. In fact, this is absolutely foreign to you. And then one of the lawyers in the back of this room of 150 people stood up and said, no, it's not. (laughs) And I said, oh boy, we have a live one here. And then someone who was sitting close to him turned to him and said, you're making his case for him. Sit down and shut up. (laughs) So at least we want to put that out there and begin to get you thinking about comparisons and contrasts. But one of the things that dialogue does do, and it was in the book, Fierce Conversations, was the concept of interrogating reality. What dialogue permits you to do is engage in a way of really working at interrogating what's real here, looking at the whole of it and trying to add pieces to it. In fact, the way the author described it is be like, we're holding up this giant beach ball, several of us, and we're all looking at from our perspective, and we have a color. So I may be on the side of the beach ball that has blue and you might be on the side of the beach ball that has red and I keep shouting out, this ball is blue. And you keep shouting out, no, this beach ball is red. And what we're really having to do is to interrogate that reality to realize that this beach ball is multiple color. Which now reminds me, Bear, I hate to do this to you, but I think you need to tell the story because I've brought up a couple of times consulting now. You need to tell the story of what your daughter said in terms of her understanding of you as a consultant? When Rebecca was little, she was asked by an adult,
1: whether it was a teacher or a friend of the family, what her daddy did. And Rebecca's response is, well, my daddy is a consultant. And the person asking the question went a step further and said, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, what that means is that my daddy's job is to break people up into small groups. (laughs) And that was her view of reality of what consulting was. It had nothing really to do with getting to an outcome that my job was to find a way to break people up into small groups, not let them stay as a whole.
0: And why I thought that was so funny, and it came to mind was when I was talking about beach balls and having a group hold up this beach ball, it made me think immediately of what Rebecca had told you. That's what consultants do. They just simply break people up into small groups. (laughs) That is great. What a definition.
1: Well, Would you be willing to Go a step further and define for listeners what you mean by interrogate. That has such a terrific sound to it, but I'm not sure people would understand how they would interrogate.
0: I think probably, and and I'm not going to give it a specific definition and would be delighted to have you add to it. What I mean by interrogate is so often... We want to drive conversations deeper. We don't want to stay on the surface. So many of our conversations simply ride the surface and don't go deep at all. And when I think about interrogating reality, it's the idea of we're going to drive deeper. We're going to dig deeper and we're going to look at things at a deeper level. You know, you have all these analogies. We're going to peel the onion back. We're going to dig deep. uh, Those kinds of analogies. But interrogating means we're going to be willing to really focus and examine and explore and not just live with what we think is reality, even challenge assumptions. So my view of interrogation is one in which we're willing to actually intentionally go after something and not let it sit with the first comment. If I were to think about us being in a group, oftentimes we have people make comments, people are talking around the room, around the group making comments, and no one is pushing it deeper. No one is saying, now wait just a minute. Let's look at that a little. That doesn't seem real to me. That doesn't make sense to me, not based on the numbers we're looking at. So when I think of interrogating rally, it says, no, we're not gonna let things just pass. We're gonna take this one and push hard to see if we're really finding what's real in here. Now do you see it a different way or would you add to that? No, I just think for most of us, the experience of the word
1: interrogate Is most often in a courtroom or in a police setting. So it has an adversarial quality to Mm it. Mm -hmm. It most often is used in the context of trying to put someone in a corner, trying to get information out of them they don't want to give. Mm -hmm. And I know that you didn't mean that. And interrogate means just get below the surface. Don't let things just stay at a surface level. Make sure it's clear to everyone what's taking place, what the the real issue is. So that was why I, I was just wondering about the word
0: as you saw it. Terrific. And the value of that for me is to say, we don't want to interrogate each other. That's not what we're talking about in dialogue. It's not a case of Uh, interrogating each other. We are interrogating reality. We're looking at the same thing and wanting to interrogate what we're looking at to say, we've dug as deep as we know how to dig on this particular subject, on this particular topic, on this particular issue. And we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to give other people permission to do that without taking personal offense, as if somehow what they're doing now is challenging me. Yeah, Yeah, That's a
1: great distinction you're making. I like I like you saying, we don't interrogate others, we
0: interrogate the reality, we interrogate the information. Mm -hmm. In fact, another author talked about the notion of mineral rights conversation, which is very similar to this uh, interrogation concept. It's digging deep to find the, the deepest level of a conversation. It's really about, I would say, and this is going to be a new phrase that we will use and you'll hear us use a couple of times, is staying in the question. One of the things that people don't do in conversations is stay in the question long enough to really get a sense of what's real. They don't uncover things because they move so quickly to solution. And I think both of you and I have had the experience of working with corporations and executives in our consulting where people want to move so quickly to solution that they don't exactly. stay long enough in the problem identification stage. That's another way of thinking about both interrogation and mineral rights. We're going to stay in the question. We're going to continue to look at the problem before we try to move to solutions. And that's a a big deal. We would argue, again, that dialogue is the one form of communication that consistently helps us achieve this particular approach.
1: You're smiling. Thoughts on that? I'm, I'm just thinking of the sequence of when you said people want to leave the question too early and get to the solutions. I know in a lot of my work with corporations, one of the things I find them very guilty of is their sequence of problem solving is fire, ready, aim, mm. rather than get ready, aim, and then fire. And what you're saying about dialogue is to get ready and aim portion that you need to stick with until you've got a really good focus, and then you can fire toward the solution. But this idea that we just want to hear something and then get right to the solution, start offering options and alternatives is what short circuits dialogue.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I would add to that, at least I think I'm adding to it, is that in every conversation, there are three potential outcomes or there are three things we want to see achieve. One is to advance an agenda. So let's say we're as simple a conversation as where you want to go to the movies. Well, we want to pick a movie and that's advancing an agenda. We want to pick something. So that's one outcome. But in addition, there's also an outcome in conversations where we would like to enhance learning have we discovered more? Have we learned more? Has something gone on that's increased our own understanding of what we're about? And then lastly, we want to enhance relationships. So my argument would be, and this came out of the book, Powerful Conversations, my argument would be what you're looking for in a conversation. And again, we're going to argue dialogue is that conversation. What you're looking for is to be able to do all three, not only advance an agenda, not only increase learning, and not only enhance relationships, but to do all three. And the more a conversation can achieve all three of those outcomes, the more productive and satisfied you are with that conversation. And we're going to suggest that other forms of interaction besides dialogue don't guarantee you or don't increase the likelihood that you'll achieve all three outcomes simultaneously.
1: Any reaction to that? Well, in terms of enhanced relationships, the word I would add to that is it adds depth. Generally, if it's done well, it adds depth to the relationship and it goes beyond just making a smooth relationship or a pleasant relationship. It actually increases the bandwidth of a relationship and mm-hmm. makes it deeper. And in and, and as it does that, it makes the relationship stronger, It makes the relationship have greater tensile strength. And because so little dialogue takes place, there are a lot of relationships that are surface that they are thin uh, because they don't know the, uh, they don't. Intend, they don't they don't create the opportunity for dialogue. So I really like the idea that one of the
0: outcomes you can get from dialogue is enhanced relationships, meaning deeper. So hopefully we have set the stage for a more content-driven conversation around dialogue that we've encouraged you as a listener to be thinking, huh, if I've never thought about it before, maybe this is the kind of conversation I want to work harder at engaging in. And frankly, I'm gonna pay attention. To episodes to come to see if this can indeed improve my communication. And what we want to do over the next few episodes is do exactly that, is to unpack the concept of dialogue, to talk about what are the behaviors and what are the skill sets involved in succeeding at dialogue, and then what are some of the possible outcomes and how you can use it in conversations to enhance the depth and quality of your own interactions. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast.